My name is Brian White. I want to welcome you today. Absolutely beautiful day. Um, like April said, in between a couple rainy days, uh, God has just given us a, a huge blessing. Or maybe that was Emily. Was that Emily? Was that a, I don't know. Somebody said it up there. Somebody said it. It must be true. Um, we're beginning a new sermon series uh, today. I'm really excited about this. Um, called On Earth As It Is In Heaven. And uh, if you were here over the last uh, series, we, we looked at the Lord's Prayer, and obviously this comes from uh, the t- prayer that Jesus taught us, that we're supposed to pray that it be on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, we were he- early in the, the series, we had um, our consultant was here, Reggie McNeil, and he preached on this, and I told him, man, if you screw that up, I'm going to have to do a whole series on that to just fix it. And so I'm joking, I'm joking. He's written like books on this, so it was, it was a just a gift for us to be able to have him uh, to talk about that. But I think there's just so much for us in this concept of on earth as it is in heaven. You know, Jesus talked about the kingdom all the time. He was just, he was obsessed with it. That's over and over and over. Some of the gospels, he talked about the kingdom of heaven. Some of the gospels, he talked about the kingdom of God. Uh, The kingdom, though, it was the first thing he talked about when he came out of the wilderness after being tempted by the devil for 40 days. If you remember the story, uh, Matthew tells us at first thing he did, comes out of the wilderness and he says in 417, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Kingdom of heaven. Heaven is, is where God rules is the point, uh, where God is king. Now, just like in Matthew, you know, Mark tells us the same thing. Uh, when Jesus came out, the first thing he said, uh, Mark 14b uh, to 15, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Uh, in Greek, that's euangelion. It's the, it's the gospel, the good news. Saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. And I just wonder what that means to you. The kingdom has come near. In Matthew, the kingdom of heaven, uh, Jesus exchanges the two, and it's, it's all good. But the temporal is what I want to sit with for a little bit here. The kingdom of heaven has come near. So most of the time, we think about heaven in terms of something that happens after death. I mean, can we only experience the kingdom after we die? That doesn't sound like what Jesus is saying here. Because Jesus didn't just say the kingdom is near. He said it's among us here now. Luke 17, 20. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming. And he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. Is among you now. Like I said, Jesus talked about the kingdom over and over and over. About half of the time that he talks about the kingdom, it is about a future kingdom to come. But half of the time when he talks about the kingdom, it's something that we can experience right now. Parables, teachings, sayings. But he was very specific. It can occur now. This side of eternity. Over and over, 
Jesus teaches this. And, and he told parables as experiencing the kingdom here. This is what this series is going to be about. But see, Jesus didn't just talk about it. He actually taught us, told us, commanded us to pray that it be on earth as it is in heaven, that the kingdom might be experienced here and now. I am more and more convinced that pursuing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven has everything to do with our job as a church. It should be our primary task as a church. For the people called Hillspring, in the spring of 2022, on this one beautiful day we have right now, I think the kingdom is something that we need to spend time thinking about a great deal. So the church calendar tells us that we're in the season of Easter. It's not just one Sunday. Um, it, it actually lasts until June 5, which is, is Pentecost. That's the birth of the church. This is the season of Easter. What is the message of Easter? Well, it's God can take a cold tomb. Death, the end. And God can bring forth life, a resurrection, a new beginning. Spring of 2022, right now, this is a day of new beginnings. So what would it mean if the people called Hillspring Church were to focus on Jesus' teachings about the kingdom as intently as Jesus focused on it? What if the prayer that he taught us to pray, that it become more on earth as it is in heaven, and start right here, work through us. What if that became our prayer? That we ask God to use our lives to make it on earth as it is in heaven. Because I think God's been doing this. And, and God is way ahead of us on this. God has used this whole mess of the last couple of years, I really believe, in a variety of ways. And he's used Hillspring. Like Jeremy said just a couple minutes ago, you know, the, we, uh, the, the, the mobile market has been amazing. And, and what really happened behind there is we just decided we're going to donate 100% of every fifth Sunday's offering to benevolence. 100%. And, and that's basically, that's once a quarter, really. But it didn't just go to mobile market as, as much as that was, uh, the stats are amazing. First year, we gave a whole lot of money to the food bank. But we also, uh, we, we developed a partnership with a couple other organizations. Uh, Grace Clinic, we give $1,000 a month from that, um, and we have been. And we also give to Mirror Ministries. They deal with trafficking local. We give $1,000 a month. That's 2000 But then we continue to give 2000 to Mobile Market once a month. And, and we've sent relief funds to, um, to our friends in Honduras. I'm really excited. We have a, a youth trip uh, in June, we're going to send 17 kids to, and, and adults to Honduras. I'll be on that. But that's all from the fifth Sunday offerings, is my point. And, and, and you know, that's not all. If you remember back when, when Russia invaded Ukraine, we set aside another week's offering to send to Ukraine. And, and we sent $26,000 that week to World Vision to help families and children who are suffering from that invasion. Yeah, my point is, a lot of people who had been walking in darkness saw great light because God was working through our church. God's been at work. 
I mean, the last couple of years, God has used us to make it more on earth as it is in heaven. And I think it's just beginning. What if we, the people called Hill Spring, what if we took Jesus' prayer that it becomes on earth as it is in heaven as our daily prayer? What if the kingdom just became our obsession just like it is for Jesus? Kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, the kingdom is about God's goodness being experienced at its most base. And every time that happens on earth, I really believe it becomes more like it is in heaven. Even for a brief moment, God is king on this side of eternity as the ways of heaven are experienced among us. And I think that's our job as a church. Just to open up the doors of heaven. Let the light of heaven shine in the darkness here on earth. There's a really interesting passage in Matthew. And, and, and churches get really hung up on it. And I've thought a lot about it over the last couple months. And this last week, I read a ton of stuff on it, and, and, and I came across a quote by this really great German-Polish uh, scholar uh, named uh, Joachim Nielke. And he once wrote, this passage, he said, is the single most discussed text in the Gospel of Matthew. The single most discussed text by scholars in the Gospel of Matthew. I, I, I thought that was fascinating. And, and I read a lot of that discussion this week, and frankly, I think they're all missing the point. I know that sounds very arrogant, but... Or at least they're missing, I think, the big picture of what Jesus is trying to talk about. And there's a reason, and we're going to come to it. But first, I want you to hear Matthew 16, 13 through 20. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and so there's others Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And then he goes on, Jesus. He says, and I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone he was the Messiah. Now, Peter and rock are a Greek play uh, in, in, in Greek. It's, it's Petros is the Greek, and, and it, it means rock. And it's like he's saying, you know, rocky on this rock, I will build my church. Uh, so it's like the foundation rock of the church. Now, th that Professor Nilka that I quoted a minute ago, he was a very important Catholic scholar in Europe in the last century. And this verse is where Catholics believe that Jesus set aside Peter as the first pope. And it's also where they trace the whole papal legacy uh, as the leader of the Catholic Church. So you can imagine, and this was his point, how much Catholic scholarship has focused on this passage. 
And over the centuries, the exact same thing with the Protestants. You know, this is, they, they wrote a ton about this as well. And he was right. I mean, you know, there is a ton of focus, but the majority of it is so focused on an agenda or pope or no pope, I think they're missing something huge. And it's sad. Now, I do think Peter's words, his pronouncement, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, frankly, I think that's the rock that Jesus is talking about. Uh, you know, the, 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 the churches need to have that affirmation as their basis, as their foundation. That needs to be the rock of the Christian church, this affirmation, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But the point is, the very next thing Matthew tells us is this story between Peter and Jesus. And Peter, or Jesus starts telling him about how he's going to die. And then Peter starts arguing with him. And then Jesus rebukes him. And then just a couple verses after he says this to famous Rocky, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. You're a stumbling block for me, the rock, there again. And you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. So when Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church upon that. But then the minute Peter starts saying, well, you can't suffer, Jesus. You can't, you can't go to the cross. Jesus rebukes him. The point is, you can't understand Jesus without the cross and without the resurrection. But I don't think that's the only thing going on in this passage by a mile. Did you hear Matthew 16, 19? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's Jesus' commission to the church, to us. Jesus says the church has been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Part of the tragedy, I think, of, of focusing on pope or no pope means we've missed. I mean, all, all they talk about is church discipline and, and, and church doctrine. I mean, for centuries, I read all back to the early church, the reformers, Calvin, Luther, all the way to this day. All people talk about here is the church has the right doctrine, and that's the keys. And the one who has the keys is able to instill discipline in the church, meaning you're in, you're out. We got, we're the ones who say. Because Jesus gave them the keys. But Jesus did not say, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And this is splitting hairs, but it's a big, big, big difference. I want you to think about the difference between two and of. Keys to something? Keys to something means you enter in. But keys of something, I think the door swings the other way. You can get in when you have the keys to something. You can limit who goes in when you have the keys to something. You have to be the one to open the door. But I think the door swings the other way when you have keys of. And I know the difference is subtle, but man, the implications are huge. Because Jesus is the judge who gets to decide who's in or out. That is way above our pay grade, and thank goodness. 
I don't want that job at all. But Jesus says he gives the church the keys of the kingdom. And he told us to be the ones who are praying that it becomes more on earth as it is in heaven. I think there's a correlation. And I think it's our job to open the door. So heaven starts shining in, in the darkness. And it looks more on earth as it does in heaven. Because we are his agents here on earth, the church. He called us the body of Christ. It's our job to open the door. Not to say who goes through. But to let the Holy Spirit bring the kingdom in tangible ways on the earth through our actions. We're citizens of the kingdom. As Jesus' followers. Jesus is our king, right? So we are to act as his citizens on the earth. You know, this would have made complete sense in Jesus' day, and it did. But it doesn't quite compute for us today. You know, I'm a citizen of the United States. Obviously, if I move from Washington to another state, maybe I move to Idaho or Montana, somewhere else, there are state laws, and they're going to change. And, and the, the Washingtons are no longer re relevant to me because I'm a resident of a new state. But in Jesus' day, Rome... Rome was overcrowded, so they sent their Roman citizens out into the world to live. They were still Roman citizens. Caesar was their king, regardless where they lived. Caesarea Philippi was a perfect example. They were allegiant only to Rome and Caesar. Their job was to be Roman citizens where they lived, and they were supposed to change the world to live under Caesar's realm and rule. Rome was their home, but it wasn't where they lived. If Jesus is our king, our home is where he rules. And our job is to make it more on earth as it is in heaven as we live as disciples. Quite a few years back, our church adopted... Um, what we called core processes at the time. And uh, I want you to totally hear this was, this was my thing, and I completely take the blame. Uh, full responsibility. Invite, incorporate, transform, and send. Their core processes, they're based on like quality improvement, and a lot of us had you know, Drucker and Deming and Honda and all that stuff. They're supposed to be a systems approach to discipleship. And we were to create systems to invite people to church. Once they're invited to church, we're supposed to create systems to incorporate them into the life of the body. And then we have systems to transform them in Christ and systems to send them out into the world to do ministry. And the problem is people aren't machines. We're not systems. And we've learned this. It just felt artificial at best. But more and more, it was just kind of like we were trying to recreate people in our image. Kind of like we had the keys to the kingdom. So we really spent a lot of time praying about this in the last, uh, especially last year, and working hard on this. And, and so rather than inviting people, 
what if we just focus on connecting with the people God puts in our lives? And what about, rather than incorporating people to look like us, to me that sounds like the Borg in Star Trek, honestly. <laughs> what if we're just going to focus on developing meaningful relationships with those people? And rather than transform people, what if we just allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and, and, and to shape us to become more and more and more like Jesus along the way? And rather than trying to send people out, which is very imperial, what if we just focus on changing our hearts and changing the world for good? So we've been reflecting on this connect, develop, change, or become and change. And we realized God was really at work. So before 2020 and the whole thing, we adopted a DNA statement. You might remember if you were around here, a lot of people are, are new, and so that's, that's great. Live, love, grow. It's kind of everywhere. Live as followers of Jesus. We pursue life as God intends. Therefore, we're on an ongoing mission to discover our part of God's story and join in God's work in the world. Love. We celebrate the, the, the joy that can be found only in nurturing authentic relationships. And, and grow. We're committed committed to growing in our relationship with God, becoming more like Jesus. A DNA statement, it's, it's like a vision. It's more than a vision, but it's like a vision. And the deal with DNA, it's who you are at your foundational level, right? And the brilliant thing is, you know, you leave trace elements of DNA when you, when you brush up against someone. And so this is what we wanted to be known for, the heart of who we want to be. Values are practices and behaviors. Values are how an organization behaves. It's what you do to pursue that vision, right? And so we spend a lot of time trying to replace the old core processes with new core processes that would make more sense. But like I say, people aren't systems. We're not Hondas. I mean, at best, processes are artificial when you're in the people business. And we realize God was calling us to, to, to something much deeper, to redefining our values. So this last week, I am so thankful and proud to announce our board of elders voted unanimously to accept Connect and develop and become and change as our new values. And I really believe at the heart of these values, it's about making it more on earth as it is in heaven. Opening doors. Rather than thinking that you know, we have the keys to heaven and our job is to be the gatekeepers. So as we pursue this DNA vision of, of live and love and grow, these values, they, they reflect Jesus' calling upon us as a gathered church, but also as individual disciples. And, and, and I want to show this graphic, and it just is brilliant. This was pretty much uh, Pastor Justin and, and Tammy came up with this after uh, we put this together. God invites us to partner with him to help people experience the life that he intends. 
And it all centers on becoming like Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. And becoming, that's, that's all about spiritual formation, right? So as we connect, as we develop, as we change, we should become more like Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what we do with our brothers and sisters as the church gathers, but also as we're out living the world, in the world as disciples. Because you're the church when you're at home, right? You're the church when you're at work. You're at the church in your neighborhood, in the school, wherever you're, you, you, your job is to make it more on earth as it is in heaven. So as we pursue our vision of live and love and grow, we're going to connect with people God puts in our lives. And as we journey deeper in that connecting, we're going to become more like Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. And as we pursue that vision of live and grow, we're going to develop more meaningful relationships. And as we journey deeper into those relationships, we're going to become more like Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. And as we pursue that vision of love or grow in love, we're, we're, we're going to change our hearts and change the world for good. And we become more like Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. In the next couple of months, you're going to see more and more ways we're bringing this into reality. But I want you to let you know a couple of things that we're working on. It's no secret we have new faces and also a whole bunch of people online too. And a lot of us are just coming back, and that's great. We need to work on connecting really bad. So once a month after worship, we're going to start bringing in some food trucks out here. And we, have the in we want to be intentional, just really intentional, about just having time for Hillspring to connect. We're going to have family connection time. We're going to have activities for families as well. But we, we, we just want to hang out, eat lunch, have some fun, get to know one another. We deserve it at this point. We have the re I'm really happy. Yeah, yeah. We have the resources of a very large church. But, you know, we've always had the feel of a, a family. And we want to continue that. Uh, I, we can't lose that. I love that. I just love that. You know, I've always loved the vision of the early church from Acts 2. You know, 246, the church was known for just hanging and eating together. Uh, you know, what a beautiful thing. We, we want to do that. And on the off weeks, what we really want to do is develop a habit that this is just what we do. We spend time with one another. You're going to see a ton of more opportunities, resources, opportunities to develop meaningful relationships. And, and we're not just talking small groups. That's part of it. But... We want to take this seriously. And so helping families develop deeper relationships, helping us to learn how to develop relationships, deeper relationships at work or at school, to, to work through our stuff. I mean, there's, I, I'm really excited about it so much. Uh, we're developing a partnership to help people out in the community, looking at um, primary elderly people who, who maybe they have a code violation with the city and they can't go fix their fence. Well, we would like to help that. You know, just looking for ways to, to partner. Um, 
we just, we've taken this so seriously, we actually hired a position already. Uh, Nicole Jansen, we've just hired as our ministry coordinator, and her job, yeah, I'm excited about that. Her job is going to be to organize events and, and, and programs that are designed to help us pursue these shared values, to pursue the kingdom. We want to grow in our capacity to do these things. You know, I'm so excited about some of these other changing the world experiences, and, and we're, we're going to talk about that. Like I said, we're sending a couple teams uh, to Honduras. Um, I'm so excited. I used to go like three, four times a year. I haven't gone to Honduras for a couple years now. I'm looking forward to it personally. But the point is, we want you to realize God has given you the keys of the kingdom. We're holding the keys, but we need to use them. We need to open the door as a church, but also out in the world, every one of us. And I want us to actively pray that God uses our church, Hillspring, to make it more on earth as it is in heaven.